Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. Uh, I am Tom Merch Jr., and I'm joined, as always, uh, by Mike Murphy. How's it going, Mike? Tommy Bahama and Big Mike. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, almost two weeks? I, I think yeah, that's had, all it's been. We had the crazy storm, and then uh, we had more important things going on in the hockey world and it, it was very hard to know when to kind of jump onto the news carousel and when to record and you know it's it is the off season for the rangers but we know the playoffs are going on so for those who are wondering where the pod's been thank you for your patience uh we got some a lot of real life stuff going on my laptop just blew up on me <laughs> yesterday so i'm on my old desktop which is where i used to do the show with joe um have like little Lord of the Rings figurines under my monitor for like the entire pandemic. I've just been on my laptop, so this is strange yet familiar to me. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, your, your laptop comes back to you uh, safe and sound. Um, we do have a number of Ranger related topics to talk about today, which I guess it's kind of a good thing when you, you don't record for a little bit, the news sort of catches itself up. Um, yeah, piles up a little bit. Yeah, but we'd be remiss if we didn't start and, you know, just devote a little bit of time, um, to, you know, what's gone on in professional sports. We obviously saw, um, the NBA for first started this with the Orlando Magic and the Milwaukee Bucks um, refusing to play a, a playoff game um, in, in regards to the things that have, have gone on in, in Wisconsin. Um, we, we've talked a lot in, in recent podcasts and this ever-continuing situation of you know racial injustice and uh, police violence and it carried over into other professional sports WNBA MLB MLS and then a, a day later um, the NHL got on board um, you know not surprising there um, and we don't we don't want to repeat a lot of the things that, that, that we've we've said already on, on this topic but I think what I would want to say in regards to, to just what happened, I think it was powerful to see the display of support from players in the Western Conference Hub, um, all of them sort of at this press conference and this this talks of unity. I know Ryan Reeves spoke out and said how he was actually um, approached by um, you know members from players uh, in the Eastern Conference Hub calling them and having a conference call and, and sort of saying what are some things that we can do how are some some things that we can do to to, to support you um, and we even see it spilled over to when the games did come back the NHL played a modified version of a video that played at the start of the playoffs where they've sort of moved beyond this sort of lip service element where they were kind of vague and like, Oh, we skate for black lives to them actually saying black lives matter and saying that was a phrase that people have to be comfortable saying. Um, I think out of all of this, everything going forward, it's going to speak volumes, the good and the bad. We need the league to actually take actionable steps 
and I, I think that's true of anything that the league is involved in. It's I, I think you would agree with me, Mike, that oftentimes we've seen the league make these big, grandiose, performative um, statements, whether it was the Declaration of Principles, whether it's um, hockey is for everyone, where they're trying to convey this image that we support you for who you are, we want to have a welcoming environment, but that hasn't always been the case, and the time for talk is over. I think Adam kind of said it best on Twitter where he was saying like, you know, all of these players had said, we have to do a lot of listening and learning and and understanding. And that was going back to um, when, when George Floyd was murdered and what, what did they do in that time period? Did they listen? Did they learn? Are there things that they can do? Um, actionable going forward so we certainly will see um i know that the hockey diversity alliance has been trying to make more contact with the league i know they've been posting a lot of things on twitter in terms of what their ask is and how they can have these actionable steps be taken but um it like you said um before we started recording uh, it's sports history, and and it's something that I think we're we're gonna look back on, uh, you know, in many years to come. Yeah, it is. It is sports history. It's it's American history. It's human history, right? Uh, this what happened with players, uh, you know, striking uh, was a big deal. The fact that you know hockey was delayed uh, a day, um, and you know we should point out that. Other Major League Baseball games were played, uh, you know, other MLS games were played, um, you know, but the entire sport of hockey, you know, which at the time was limited to just the teams who were active in the playoffs, chose to go forward after playing a brief kind of video uh, thing before, I think it was was a Boston-Tampa game, I think, and, you know, it was, it acknowledged what had happened without necessarily, you know, embracing the gravity of everything and I think that's something that we're beginning to see more and more. I think anyone who's been on hockey Twitter knows how polarizing things have been and knows how quickly people will make statements like, well this is why I think the NHL is the only league that's for me is because it doesn't it doesn't bend to, you know, public pressure or things like that. And like when you have people making claims like that, you do have to kind of look in the mirror if you're the league and wonder what what you're doing by not, you know, looking and reading the room, you know, in, in the greater scheme of things, or really reading, you know, <laughs> human rights and civil rights and looking at what's going on. And I think we should commend, especially I think players on Vancouver really went out of their way to, you know, say, hey, uh, we want to do this. And then I know that Ryan Reeves said like that mattered, that he knew he wouldn't have to do this alone. And that just goes to show you what it means uh, when you don't have to face something like this alone. So, but, you know, I think you covered all the bases really well, Tom. We have to talk about it. It is history. Um, you know, and it, it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, the MSG 
you know, platform on social media in terms of the teams under the umbrella with the Rangers and the Knicks and so on, you know, had a much more timely response to things this time around. Uh, and all of that is, ob- it's one of those things where you can't help but notice it. And the big thing, like you said, is it's time for action. Um, you know, the Hockey Diversity Alliance has asked for a significant investment from the NHL to kind of put its money where its mouth is. And uh, so far, the NHL has kind of just been, you know, sitting and waiting. And we don't really know exactly what's going on. And yeah, you know, I could understand why it might take them a long time to question about where that money's going to go and an investment like that. But if you believe in this stuff and this stuff matters to you, and it should because it obviously matters to your fans and it matters to your players. Um, you gotta, you gotta double down. You have to be invested in the change you are saying matters because words alone are not enough, and we've learned that time and time again. And certainly, you know, we've seen a lot of passionate interactions on our board on Blue Shirt Banner, and you know, we're doing our best to make it a place where people can, you know, have respectful conversation about this because I don't want to use the word debate for something like this. I want to use the word conversation. Um, but it's a lot. A lot a lot is going on in the world and people wonder, hey, I just want to I listen to a hockey podcast or I read a hockey blog. I don't want to read about this shit. Guess what? This is hockey news because it's affecting everything. So you cannot escape this. And if you're trying to escape this, you should ask yourself why you're going out of your way to avoid these conversations that are necessary and uncomfortable to look at what's happening in this country and across the world. Yeah, it's exactly that. And the last thing I'll say is, is obviously it's like we've said before, you know, we're two white guys talking about, about something like this. And there's obviously more qualified uh, individuals to, to speak on this. Um, It's something that, it's always going to be involved with professional sports. Sports are inherently political. And to speaking to what Mike was saying about, you know, people leaving, you know, comments and things, you know, why are you talking about this? It's take some time and reflect. Why are there all of these names, whether it's Jacob Blake or George Floyd, Bianca Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, there's all of these names uh, of individuals who have been either killed or impacted by violence and just think on why is it that this is happening over and over and over again um it shouldn't happen we ultimately all collectively need to work to have a better and just society um but you just can't bury your hand in the sand and be like oh i'm gonna have my sports i'm gonna have my movies i'm gonna have my musics no this is about human rights and it's something that's very important um and if for whatever reason you know you don't like that we're talking about this you can unsubscribe from the podcast you don't have to read anything we write um we won't miss you and that that's just the way that it's gonna be um yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Um, so on that note, um, there is news regarding the Rangers. Um, I, I would think the one place. I mean, where do we start? There's a whole bunch of news. I would say where we start, which would be, I would say we'll start with um, Jacques Martin because I think that's. that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like 
it it's interesting to me. Um, so the news is that the Rangers hire Jock Martin to replace Lindy Ruff on the coaching staff. He's going to be responsible for the defense and the penalty kill. And like Martin is a name that I've known for a long time. Like just as someone who's been a coach in the league and many capacities, whether it was with like the Senators, the Panthers. Yeah, I remember him as Ottawa's head coach for what felt like eons, right? Yeah, like I remember him being behind the bench for those Ottawa Senators teams that were just starting to get good. Um, and then like the lockout happens and then he, he's with the Florida Panthers. But when I, I looked up um, his coaching history um, through a number of sources, um, including behind the benches, which is, you know, a hey. real great resource. Um, his first coaching job was in 1983. He was uh, an OHL assistant. Um, then he was a head coach. And then, like, he got a start with the Blues in 1986. So, obviously... Been around. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I think one of the things we think of with Lindy Ruff was someone with a wealth of experience. And I think in terms of experience behind the bench, it was... I think it's either Ruff or... Um, bonus who had the most in the league and then yak martin is up there um he's 67 i mean he this is not a young guy and we talk we joke so often about how you know nhl coach coaches you know at you know in every role are just a bunch of old white guys it seems like this old boys club and they have been around forever and they kind of just move around right it's like a game of musical chairs or something but uh, there's a lot to like about the Jacques Martin uh, signing, but he is still, he fits the bill of kind of, you know, a recycled coach. And that's not to say he isn't qualified or anything, but this is a guy who, it must have appealed to the Rangers on, in, in some respect that not only does he have the track record he has with defensemen and the penalty kill and the defensive coaching in general, he's known as very much a tactics guy. Um, you know, he's credited with, Ottawa, you and you were talking about like Ottawa during those years when they were good. They were known for defensive hockey, um, and Lindy Ruff was considered a defensive coach. But if you looked at his track record, he was more of a oh, he had a Dominic Hasek kind of a coach, um, which is a different thing. <laughs> and um, you know, looking at what the Rangers have potentially with Martin, they have a guy who is going to, you know, it's interesting because I wondered right away, is, it, is this still some sort of statement by the front office in terms of the relative youth and inexperience of Quinn? Um, and also it was interesting to me because, you know, Gord Murphy was there on an interim basis to fill the role of Ruff, and I was like, who's to say this job doesn't land on Gord Murphy's lap, right? Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I certainly took note that they took one very experienced coach and replaced him with another uh almost as experienced coach and um i think it was kind of interesting because quinn was all for this i i think it was um dan rosen wrote um a story on nhl.com when um martin was made available um after the penguins you know fired all their their assistants it was looking at a weird move by the penguins to fire everyone but sullivan and almost everyone uh, who's a Penguins fan that I know or writes about the Penguins is like it wasn't really on the defense <laughs> like both Gonchar and uh, Jacques Martin did a pr 
pretty good job there. And evidence by two cups, I would say, is, is pretty yeah. good evidence, right? Uh, so it's it's surprising that those heads rolled and Mike Sullivan's didn't. And it's also interesting, of course, because Mike Sullivan has uh, a very strong connection to David Quinn. So there's a lot of a lot of little little interesting sprinkles there on top of the fact that this is, like you're saying, is another veteran guy like Lindy Ruff. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what he does with the Rangers because I, I would say for the most part, um, the defense has not been a, a strong suit of the Penguins in terms of like name value. Like I can remember watching them win those back-to-back Stanley Cups and like you obviously had Chris Letang who um, w- was really good, good defenseman offensively um, driving play, but it always felt like they were always trying to get by a little bit. And even like this year, you had obviously the emergence of, of John Marino uh, yeah. as someone who w- was helping them out. Um, and I, I guess you look at the Rangers, really, they have some names, um, but not really great results. And something that I would expect for there to be some turnover in terms of defense because you want to create opportunities and you want to have personnel that maybe fits um, what his his coaching style is going to be. Um, But I I definitely think we'll find out shortly um, what type of direction that they they want to go in because I I think like you you look at the progression of in recent years, whether it was um, Bukaboom and and Alf Samuelson to um, Lindy Ruff, and there's just been Did so Cartwright, much turnover. Did Carp write something about those guys getting scapegoated for the Rangers defense? Because I saw a discussion about that on Twitter. Yeah, he had mentioned that like it Ruff was the latest in a list of um, defensive coaches that was scapegoated by the fans, which I don't really agree with because I can remember yeah, a lot I was of surprised by that. Yeah. A lot of people were mad that Alf Samuelson had left because they viewed him as someone who could potentially be a future head coach of the team. And I think, if anything, fans felt the front office scapegoated Bukaboom because he was literally yeah, given was, a year. That's what I was about to say. Of course, he moved into, I think, the scouting department. But, um, you know, as just like a good soldier who's, you know, who was rewarded with that opportunity and then very quickly... You know, the organization didn't shy away from just putting an anchor on him and pushing him off the boat. Um, but yeah, that was it was interesting to me because I think more often than not, the scapegoat has, in terms of defensive shortcomings, has come down to contracts and uh, in terms of like player performance before coaching. In terms of, it's a very different thing, like seeing the workload Henrik Lundqvist has had to deal with the past several years has has really highlighted, you know, what the, the shortcomings of this Rangers defense. And, you know, I know we, I, I like to say this now as a kind of like a preamble to whenever I talk about analytics that every team has its own analytics department, Tom, and they have access to more data, generally speaking, um, and all those things still in hand. However, we do know things like expected goals for and against, especially at five on five, matter, right? It's a, not a bad way to measure shot quality and quantity and 
you know, it's it's highly unusual over the series, you know, over a series of an 82-game season to see teams that have exorbitantly high, you know, goals, expected goals for percentage, not, you know, if it's trending in the positive, you'll tend to see them win more games. Um, and if it's trending in the negative, then they probably have very good goaltending. But what's so interesting to me about this is Lindy Ruff is an obvious scapegoat. Um, and before that, it was kind of a case of, you know, the Rangers taking perhaps Henrik Lundqvist for granted. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's it's really interesting to me that they chose uh, Martin because he is a, you know, at first I was like, if I was in, you know, Gordon's and JD's shoes, right, would I want the sure thing, like a sure thing like Jacques Martin who has this resume, or would I want to branch out and look look in a new direction and like Jacques Martin said that when this opportunity came he jumped at it it's the Rangers um, so obviously they didn't have to do too much persuading even though you know they could have backed up a, a dump truck of cash if they needed to but it's interesting to me that they recognize like hey we have so much tied up in the future of this blue line and these really good young defensive prospects, you know, and we're going to start seeing it, you know, this year, really, with uh, Keandre Miller coming up, and also the development of Adam Fox, and trying to figure out what the Rangers actually have in Jacob Truba, because I know a lot of people have pointed out, oh, the Rangers, you've been talking about Truba forever, you get him and look what happens, but who the hell did Jacob Truba play with, folks? (laughs) You know, like, he played with with Shea, he struggled, and then his after Shea, his most frequent partner was Libor Hayek, and you know, on top of that, he didn't get power play one time, so he didn't get to hide some of his deficiencies with offensive production. Like that is a disaster that wrote its own script, really, um, in terms of the first year of his huge contract. So I'm not panicking about Truba yet. I'm very interested to see what the Rangers look like at five on five. Um, in terms of just defensive coverage and these things that would drive us all nuts and how often they would be outshot and outchanced. Very, very interesting, to say the least, to see what this transition will look like from Lindy Ruff's defense to Jacques Martin. Yeah, I know the name that people had been talking about was one of the other assistants let go of Pittsburgh was Sergei Gonchar as someone who obviously had a stored NHL career um, with with Pittsburgh with with the um, the Capitals uh, you know a few other teams and as someone who looking at the makeup of this roster whether it's a Fox um, you know Tony D'Angelo for the time being Jacob Truba where you have the these players who have some innate offensive ability and sort of okay you have this but how can we better round out the rest of your game um, for me it, it and it's gonna sound like a no shit thing that you can have great coaches but if the the players on the roster aren't good there's only so much that they're going to be able to do where a coach can take an average player and I think that they can make them through coaching and, and teaching into a good player I don't think a coach can take a below 
uh, replacement level player and, and, and get much out of them because at the end of the day, you have to have talent and ability and the tools to actually execute what's being asked of you. And in the case of the Rangers, they just have players who are, whether it's past their prime or they're miscast and yeah, you can have a different voice say, okay, we want you to do this instead of this. And, you know, structurally, maybe we're going to change how we play. Maybe we won't uh, concede the blue line um, like, like they've done under David Quinn. But, you know, the more I've thought about it in, in some of this was more so before they had an Adam Fox or they had, um, a Tony D'Angelo who could produce offensively. It's that the Rangers, as a defense, did not skate very well. So one of the reasons why you weren't having them stack up at the blue line is because you just have forwards dance around them, and then they'd have the offensive zone to themselves. At least now you have players who can skate, who can offer some form of resistance. So um, once they are in the zone, it's not just, okay, I'm going to have my way with you, and that's the way that it's going to be. I definitely think there need to be tweaks there, but if you're being dragged down by a Mark Stahl, if you have a Brendan Smith who on Mondays he's a forward, on Wednesdays he's a defenseman, on Fridays he's a little bit of both, you're not going to get the results that you need. So while I'm certainly encouraged that, okay, we have a coach who – has been an assistant for the last few years where where Ruff went right from being calling all the shots to having to target on certain areas of the game, you do need to change the personnel because otherwise it's going to be uh, a different version of what we saw last year. So Tom likes or Tom doesn't like? Oh, I, I love the hire, but I'm... I think that it's the equivalent of okay, like you can you can be someone and you can buy like a really expensive sports car, but if you don't know how to drive it, how much use are you going to get out of it? So yes, they've hired an experienced coach in Jacques Martin, but unless you have you know so, uh, enough players to take advantage of that, it, it's almost like well, what's the point? Yeah, I. I think it'll be very interesting to see what sort of growing pains we see uh, with the transition. But overall, I like the move a lot. I think, you know, uh, in general, I like the idea of new blood just from the standpoint of uh, fairness and also things to write about that are more interesting. But Jacques Martin has a pretty good resume in terms of defensive hockey and you know, he has a reputation that's pretty sound. I haven't looked at all the coaching metrics yet. I know that, you know, Pittsburgh, for all of its flaws, you know, was a pretty good defensive team, despite, you know, if you look at the guys they had on that blue line, they're always a, a you know, a forward-heavy team. You know, they, they were, you had Chris Letang when he was healthy, and then, you know, you didn't really have any other guys who stood out for a long time. Um so yeah, I, I think it's it's a good move. It's I'm very curious to see what this will mean for the development of a lot of these young guys, and I'm also curious, frankly, you know, Jacques Martin, 67, if this is a guy who's going to be around for a couple of years. Like if if Quinn really carves out uh, what you know that this is a, his team and can stay behind the bench for 
a good chunk of time, although we all know coaches get changed all the time. How long could Jacques Martin be a part of this crew is something else that's pretty interesting to me. But it seems like he very much wants to be there. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and, you know, speaking of, of player or people that want to be in certain places, um, yeah. there's a lot of scuttlebutt and whether or not, yeah, whether or not it's correct or incorrect, you know, I'm, I don't want to get into the weeds about it. Um, but a lot of was made of uh, Kraftsoff officially going back to the KHL. And I know that there were reports of, oh, there's no out clause and, well, the Rangers can recall him if they want, but the fact of the matter is that Kraftsoff's officially loaned to uh, Tractor Chebolinsk, uh, the KHL, whose season um, starts in a few days. Um, he's back with the coach that he had in his rookie season. Um, Isn't that crazy, by the way, that a hockey season's going to start? Because the, the Swedish League's going to start soon, too. It's like, Yeah, I know... Uh, AJ Ranger has been so excited about all of these players who are going on these various loans um, that he's going to be able to watch. I think it was like um, Wallstrom was one. Um, just all of these players that, you know, they have nowhere to go. And we don't know when the NHL season's going to start because we don't know if they're going to try to go back into regular arenas without fans or are they going to try to do hub cities? Like, depending on who you read and what you listen to you hear a bunch of different things um but like i i don't really look at this as major news i know people are ha all out of sorts because like oh he's 20 years old he was a number nine pick and he's going back to the khl and does he want to be here and what are the rangers doing and to that like and i know some people got bent out of shape by the comparisons because like you you don't want to compare amongst players but look at how much time panarin spent in the khl look how much time kunetsov spent in russia or tarasenko or even buchnevich like kaprizov yeah only coming over this upcoming season for minnesota he's a yeah. guy who you know some guys take a little longer and you know a lot we've seen guys who you know, it's it's a really interesting thing because people panic when it's like, oh, he's been in the AHL too long. The KHL is the second best league. You know, generally speaking, that's what almost everyone agrees with. So it's it's not that bad. <laughs> like I, I I don't I don't hit the panic button for this either. I don't mind that he's going to be where I think he's going to be the most comfortable. It does fill me with a lot of questions about what the hell the Wolfpack team is going to look like next season, but honestly, we'd have those questions anyway. Um, this is where I think he would like to be. Um, obviously, we know his history, even specifically with Tractor, uh, you know, where where he was uh, when the Rangers drafted him. That's been the only franchise he's ever really known um, in the KHL. So I'm, you know, I expect him to play a bigger role than he played when he returned there. And, I think he had, what, three points or something in 11 games, then spent a little time in the, the VHL. But, uh, yeah, it's this to me is not concerning, I think. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning here, Tom, is you have Bucinevich, and you have Panarin. You have Kreider, and then you probably have Lafreniere. And Jacko, the Rangers, two. Oh, yeah, 
and Kako. The Rangers have a lot of wingers and guys who you don't. None of these guys who you should want on your fourth line. I, I'm not worried. Like, there's, there's plenty of room uh, in the future, and they can think about you know all those things later. But this is, I think, a, a smart move for his development, reuniting him with his coach, as you said before. I cut you off. Like, there's a lot to like here. Um, I think, especially given how things went with Leah Anderson. I think you want to go out of your way to make it work for the prospect in addition to making sure you develop a guy the right way. you got to find a, a path to the NHL that works for each kid. And I think this is this is a good thing to do for a guy like Kravtsov who definitely got yo-yoed and jerked around a little bit last year. Yeah, and for all we know, the NHL season will start in January and you know tractor will be dog shit and by the time his season's over exactly you have no idea of how this is going to play out and like you said he needs to play games he 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 just needs to play period and the only place he can play right now or one of the only places he can play now is the khl and if he's going to do it with a team and a coach that he's familiar with um you know that's the best thing and even though organizationally you're starting to have a lot of things stack up where we have all of these players and where are we going to put them? If they decided that, you know what, we're going to move on from Kratzov because we just don't have room or we have bigger needs, you would want to trade him at a point where, okay, he's been in the KHL, he's found his form again, he's looking like a player, why we drafted him ninth overall. Um, you, you don't want it a situation where, well, he was in the AHL and then he went back to the KHL and then we brought him back. And it, it's it's a lot of things to worry about that really don't need worrying about at this moment. Um, because this is going to be a busy month because once the Stanley Cup final starts, we're going to have the buyout window open um, shortly after that. In October, we're going to have the draft and free agency and all of this. So this is going to be a month where we just wait for the rounds to finish up. Um, so let Kraft stuff be in the KHL. Let him do his thing. Now, if he goes and he's not playing well, okay, maybe you want to be a little bit concerned. But even then... You don't want to make too much out of the start of the season. You know, let's check back in in November and um, either really happy or really worried. But for now, just live life. Yeah, he's, what is he, 20, turning 21 in December. No one was panicking when we heard Nils Lundqvist was going to spend another full season in Sweden. There's nothing to really sweat in my opinion here. And, and all like I, like I know Tractor's roster isn't good. I have to take a closer look at who he has the potential to play with in terms of forwards. Uh, but, you know, I think having, you'll probably have more talent around him uh, in Tractor than he would in Hartford. So I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about uh, Vitaly? No, I mean, like I said, he's still a kid. I think it is very, very interesting uh how, you know, where he ranks now in terms of the 
the prospect pool and the pressure. I know you and I talked about like the pressure coming off of someone like Capocacco because uh, the Rangers almost certainly going to take Lafreniere. And then you have to think again of like, okay, does this kid become, oh, you know, he's not quite as important, borderline expendable. But then all of that, of course, ties to the fact that the Rangers have Kreider and, uh, and Panarin signed until the end of time. And then they have a couple of the most, you know, promise-filled young prospects in the league in terms of wingers in, in Kako and Lafreniere. So it's really interesting to see what the future holds for a guy like Kravstov because you think of all the things that are outside of a player's control, you know, not only like where he plays and all that, but this is something his agent and the Rangers collaborated on. You know, this is something the Rangers want to happen. And I have to say, thus far, I, I like a lot of the decisions we're hearing that JD has made, um, you know, in his effort to reach out to Leas and his effort to make things like this happen, all of it points in a positive direction for me. So I wanted to add that little sprinkle there at the end that this is another, I think, effort by the front office to make sure they get the most out of their investment, which also happens to coincide with taking care of a 20-year-old Russian kid. And chances are he's going to be happier and play better in Russia for the time being. And that's fine. It's perfectly fine. Well said, Mike. Um, And at this point, uh, we will take a quick uh, ad break and uh, we'll be right back. And just like that, we are back from the break. Um, two more topics uh, for today. Um, both interesting in their own way. Um, it certainly looked like Chris Jury was a strong candidate to be the, the next GM of the Florida Panthers. Um, I know, you know, Pick Your Insider was talking about how uh, Drury was a strong candidate and how, you know, it sort of stood out that the Rangers had given him permission to interview. Um, I know there have been teams that have tried to ask Drury to interview in the past, and the Rangers have said no. Um, and then out of nowhere, he takes himself out of the running, and then they uh, today they announced they hired uh, Bill Zito of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. So um, that's a story. Yeah, it is very interesting. Uh, I wrote the newser for this for banter. You know, over the past couple seasons, you know, Drury started as the head of player development, I think, in the, in the Rangers org, and then he very quickly transitioned to assistant GM, which comes with the responsibilities of being the general manager of Hartford. Um, on top of that, he's been the GM of uh, Team USA at a Worlds. I forget when. I don't have it open. I think it was like 2017. I don't know. Um, but very quickly after taking the position of AGM with the Rangers, the Sabres said, hey, we have an open GM place uh, spot. Can we talk to him? The Rangers said no. And last season, or I should say 2018-2019, Minnesota asked the same question. 
Rangers said no. This time around, uh, Florida reached out and the Rangers said yeah. So um, that alone, that in and of itself is really damn interesting. The fact that he was in there and then pulled himself out of, you know, which insinuates that something must have gone on is also really interesting. Um, it's hard to say, you know, like, I, I know Chris Drury has obviously been a guy who's coveted by other front offices. Um, I mean, the fact that he's, other teams have inquired after him three times in the last, you know, three or four years speaks volumes about what his reputation is, but that is interesting to me. It's even more interesting to me the way this is unfolded. I feel like there's another story here that will come to light about what the hell has happened um, in terms of Florida and its GM. And not only that, but the controversy and the allegations with uh, with Talon. Like, yeah. There's there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of piss on these sheets, Tom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something something happened here. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, like that—that that is a really good way to put it. Like, it catches me off guard. But I do wonder if it was something like, yeah, you know, it's like he's in an interview with whoever's conducting. It. Like, you know, so what's what's the culture like around the Florida Panthers? Like, oh, it's really good. You know, we're open to ideas and all of this <laughs> stuff. And you know, we got like, Q. Hey, yeah, we, we got, got Barkov. Co- we got Q. We got Huberto. Come on. And what then about Pabrowski and his ten million? Ah, don't worry about that. Yeah. What about Aaron Ekblad never reaching up to his potential? Ah, yeah. Like, oh, push alert! Oh, um, why did you? Um, why are you even interviewing me for this position? I thought you were happy with uh, with uh, talent. Yeah, you know, we just wanted to go in a direction. Bloop. Uh, under investigation. Uh, do you know anything about this? Uh, no, nah, um, who? No. Like who? I, I the name doesn't sound familiar to me. Um, you know, what were we talking about again? Yeah, uh, I I think I'm uh, I'm gonna go back to New York. Uh, don't call me ever again, or don't talk yeah. to me or my son ever again. Lose lose my number. Yeah. Um, it, it is still because like we all know that the carousel of coaches and GMs like it wouldn't be surprising Tom if in the next couple of years someone poaches Chris Jury from the Rangers like it just wouldn't be surprising at this stage it is it does speak volumes about the fact that he had this opportunity just obviously you move up uh, you almost you, you get paid more right and you have more responsibilities it's something that it's obviously a job interest of his considering how he's the AGM of the Rangers and you say no. Uh, I've changed my mind. I no, I no longer wanna. I no longer wanna be involved in this. And that there is what we call smoke. So, um, what it means for the Rangers for the time being is jury's gonna stick around um, unless something changes dramatically before January or whenever the hell hockey starts again for the Rangers. And um, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on in Florida. I don't know what the hell's going on in the league in general. Jake Allen. Just got traded to Montreal today, so I don't know what or why. Uh, I know why the Blues did it because they want to re-sign their captain, but I don't know what Montreal's doing yet. Tom, it's a lot of money for goaltending. It's a lot of money for goaltending. I think Jake Allen's like four point three five million. Yep. What's and Carey Price other, making? Yeah, D- Carey double Price digits. Carey Price making like the 
like the gross domestic product of like Luxembourg. I forget, but um, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of money. The only other trade that ha- has happened we can mention is Capenin uh, uh, is a Penguin now. Uh, so the Penguins gave up the 15th overall pick and six assets involved in this crazy trade. And yeah, Jim Rutherford's old. Um, <laughs> I still really want to believe deep down that it was like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really want to move Kapanen, in, but if I do, I'm going to need cap space or a pick or a prospect. And Rutherford's like, well, I can give you all three. And he's like, wait, yeah. what? I yeah. only need one of these Dubas, things. Yeah, Dubas sent him an itemized list and he thought it was, uh, it, it wasn't either or. It was, oh, all of it? Okay. No yeah, problem. It is. It is very interesting um and you know it's more speed for a team that's getting old and all that but you know it's relevant to the rangers because i I, honestly by the time the pen like crosby malkin by the time and latang for that matter like by the time the rangers are a team that can really start competing for the cup i think the penguins will be out to pasture in terms of their their window closing. yeah this is just an effort by rutherford to like jam a shoe in the window before it slams shut and uh yeah it's interesting but um really the thing that's most interesting to me is this free agent market and what the hell it means for what guys are going to make because like petro could you know there's a couple guys like hall and petro who are going to make what they're going to make and then i know most people think it's the middle class the jesper foss the world who are going to get boned um and that to me is Really interesting because it might mean, hey, we could get to keep Jesper Fast, even if he's sad and doesn't get as much money as he probably could have. I know they showed more life in their last game uh, against Dallas to keep the series going, but part of me just says if if the Avalanche eventually get eliminated, that they're just going to go full scorched earth and be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to sign you free agent, I'm going to sign you free agent, I'm going to sign you free agent, even if it's like one or two years, um, just while they have um, this cap flexibility, and like, yeah, you know what, we're, yeah, we're going to go... Nathan McKinnon lunch money, yeah. Exactly, and while, you know, McCarr's on an ELC and, um, you know, players like that, and that's just like you know what fuck it we're gonna come back next year bigger and better and uh we're gonna just run shit i mean it's really interesting because a lot of guys might opt for the short lucrative deal um and wait for or just be like hey i'll i'll take a short deal i have a chance to get a cup here and you know the flat cap is really gonna f me in the mouth so i'm just gonna go (laughs) ahead and do what i gotta do to try and get a cup and that might be really appealing to some guys. Like, it's a weird market out there. Like, no one talks about Mike Hoffman. Speaking of Florida, like or Dadanov, pending UFA. Yeah, or Dadanov as well. But like Hoffman has just been consistent, productive. I think he had 29 goals this year in 69 games. And yeah. No one talks about him. The Rangers don't need a Mike Hoffman, but someone needs Mike Hoffman. Um, you know. I am also very interested to see if the Rangers, what they bring in. I know you've written a couple stories about the left side in particular. Like, There's a little, plenty to talk about even before the draft, which in and of itself will be a huge story for us. But I think over at Banter, we're going to start writing our report cards. And yeah, I have to, I'm looking, I'm not sure I'm going to write it, but I 
The one I'm looking forward to the most is Lindgren. I want to read... I just want to dive into numbers and Lindgren and watch a bunch of games again and be like, what the hell do we have with Ryan Lindgren? Yeah. I don't know. Like, oh, I look at him, and it's almost I say to myself, like, there is a universe that exists where it's like the left side this year could have been a combination of, of Lindgren and Ryan Graves, and you just could have had really cheap, you know, well, decent production. Where you still have Kevin Shattenkirk instead of Jacob Truba, so there's a couple of universes. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I some people got and mad the that don't have six million of dead cap space next year. Yeah, but he achieved his goal. He's he's four wins away from uh, contending for the Stanley Cup with Ryan McDonough, which is what he signed up for in July of 2017. So. Um, good, good for Shattenkirk. Yeah, good for Shattuck. I mean, it's hard to like. I, I'm pulling for Tampa. I think they're a fun team. Um, you know, I, I'm no longer invested emotionally too much in what happens. So we'll see what happens from here. But it's been a crazy playoffs. I'll give you that. The NHL has gotten plenty of bang for its buck in terms of how they slapped this together and what they've been able to get out of it in terms of the storyline of, oh my God, Tom, one of the teams that's in the playoffs is going to pick first. And then it lands in a big market like New York. And then you have all this other crazy shit happening. You have a five OT game. You have, oh, Tampa exercises demons, gets through Columbus, yada, yada, yada. So um, it's been fun. Yeah, the intensity's been there where it's you kind of forget that there's no one in the stands. Um, which like when I was watching the play in round, I'm like, like this is gonna be really weird. Um and I'll be even more interested once this shifts to um Edmonton and if there's um you know, any anything different that they try and do in terms of like scenery because it's you're gonna be down to the you know, the final four and then obviously the the final two, but um I've been good playoffs so far. These goddamn Islanders, I tell you. <laughs> or the Flyers. Like, that's why you got to root for Tampa, because you can't root for the Flyers. You can't root for the Islanders. So, no. got to root for the the, the Lightning. I'm, I think I picked the Islanders in the series because I said, like, I'm done betting against the Islanders. And I, I got to tell you, I still am not entirely convinced how they do it other than, you know, having Mitch Korn and. Matt Barzell's really, really good and all this other stuff. But, yeah, uh, it's fun. It's wacky. And uh, Elaine Vigneault, who apparently is an ostrich with his head buried in the sand, uh, is having everything unravel underneath him. So that's also interesting. Yeah. Um, last story we have, um, it's, it's not really much of a story, but um, Henrik Lundqvist is back in New York. I know that there was some... Scuttlebutt and Hellabaloo, the fact that he was in uh, Sweden. He was training with uh, Frölunda. Um, and, oh, you know, does this mean that he's going to be trying to, uh, you know, play in the SHL? Is he going to join Joel and all that? Um, you know, he's, he's back in New York with his wife and kids because it's, you know, back to school season uh, in New York. Um, so... It remains to be seen how they're going to proceed. I would say at this point, the fact that he's come back means that I don't think he's gonna join for Alunda. But you know, 
who knows with someone like him he has the means to uh you know fly privately without um you know any reason to to think about it um but i just don't want to believe in a world where the rangers could buy out henrik lundquist uh because like that would just be like such a sour ending to a storied career like and again like yeah he might want to still try and win a stanley cup but i can't find a spot for him i just don't know where it would fit yeah it's weird um it's very hard his cap hit makes it so hard to see where he would fit on a team that really needs a goalie i think carolina was rumored to be looking into freddie anderson um who just has the one year left and toronto could do a lot in terms of moving Freddie Anderson and signing goalies. Because the other thing about Lundqvist finding a spot is there's a lot of goalies in this upcoming free agent market, Tom. So, like, there's not a lot of teams where it's, you know, like, there's no, what is it, like, <laughs> the Red Wings where they had, like, Brett Hull and Shanny and, you know, like, every guy who's over 35 and they'll go ahead and win a cup, you know. Um, like, that doesn't exist in the current NHL landscape. There's nowhere where Hank could fit in somewhere. Um, and that's, it's a bummer, but it's also really interesting for what the Rangers are going to have to do or what Lundquist is going to decide. Cause I'm sure there's a big part of him that isn't done with hockey. And I'm sure there's a big part of him that has this loyalty to New York. Um, so Sweden playing with his brother, um, should probably appeal. But the question is what that would mean for the Rangers and if there's some sort of penalty. Uh, you know, like I know Brooks wrote today about Kovalchuk and the Devils taking a cap penalty, but that was when Kovalchuk had literally a dozen years left on his contract when he went on to play in the KHL. So I don't know. One way or another, the Rangers have to figure something out because it's, you know, there's this, this obstacle of what do you do and you cannot bungle the Henrik Lundqvist ending here. It has to be done with as much grace and respect as possible because this guy dragged this team <laughs> deep in the playoffs over and over and over again. And to never let him taste the cup and then to just like shove some mud in his mouth and be like, all right, you're out of here. Tough shit. It would be just a ghastly ending. So I hope that's not what happens. Yeah, like I he deserves I, nice things, Tom. He deserves cotton candy and, and ice cream cake. Yeah, like I'm fully aware that the Rangers traded Brian Leach on his birthday. So, oh yeah, <laughs> but that does mean you have to do something like that again. So we didn't get you a present this year. Here's why: get your shit and get out. We got you a plane ticket. Um, yeah. That's that's a lot. Um, and, of course, the Rangers didn't really get anything out of that. I mean, Michael Sauer, but then we all know. Oh, Tom. Remember Yarko Eminen? Oh, man. I was so excited. What a fool. What a but, fool that was. Like, just imagine, though, if that didn't happen to Sauer. Like, that would have been an amazing pull, but... Yeah, but even still, like, Sauer was, like, a second-parent HLer. Like, he wasn't... Oh, yeah, of course. Like... You're never. You're not going to be able to like replace, you know, Brian Leach. You know, obviously, let alone you know even what he was whatever, at that time. Like I'm trading in this this 
priceless family heirloom that means everything to me. I just need to get something for it because i got to pay rent this month. And the guy at the pawn shop tells you, I'll give you 40 bucks. <sighs> I need 50. Well, I can give you 40. Fine. Fuck. Fine. We're going to GameStop. I have this sealed in mint packaging original Super Mario Brothers. Uh, are you want cash or do you want GameStop credit? Well, what's the difference? Well, if I give you cash, I can give you two fifty. If you take GameStop credit, I can give you three fifty. Yeah. Oh, three hundred and fifty dollars? No, no, no. That's three dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, I learned some hard lessons at that GameStop counter as a child. What do you mean? I brought you ten games. Well, if you want the new NHL, you're gonna have to bring me a lot more. Son of a bitch. Also, every time you traded in the old NHL, it was worth like a buck eighty. At that point. Yeah. I, I think, like, eventually we'll get to a point, and I'll be interested to see once the new NHL game comes out, um, like, we'll have where it's literally, it's just going to be all digital, where they they figure out a way to build, like, a base of a game, and then each year that they add certain upgrade elements to it. Um, it's like, just, like, I just realized, like, like I should have realized this a lot sooner, but, like, Video games are just so fucking expensive. You know what else is expensive? Board games. <laughs> yeah. Played, uh, I was playing board games with my brothers. We were able to meet up uh, after, you know, doing it the safest way possible. And we were playing a bunch of board games. And I stopped into a store. And it's like, oh, yeah, you want Settlers of Catan? It's $40. <laughs> it's like, this is, I'm just checking. This is cardboard with paint on it, right? I just want to make sure that's in little pieces of wood with paint. Forty dollars, okay. Oh, or even uh, some of the card like games. Actually, like I know, like people like play Cards Against Humanity or, or or games of that ilk. Like some of just the expansion packs themselves to build on are like oodles of money. Like my brother was getting um, some school supplies at Target and I'm like, Oh, let me see how much this expansion pack is. It's like 25 fucking dollars. And like, it's not even a full game. Like it adds on to the original. Yeah. Yeah, You can't, you can do nothing with it (laughs) in and of itself. It just attack on. It's like, wow. It's like in downloadable content for games, like video games. It's okay. What am I getting? Yeah. Anyway, speaking of tacking on, it's, we're, we're sort of at the end of the show where we're just, you know, rambling on about little things to say. Um, we do have plans to have a show with uh, Joe at some point. Um, we were going to do it, and he's in between some stuff right now where his microphone is packed away. Um, so we're we're working on. Yeah, I, I'm being being as nice as possible. See, you know, Joe Joe made a promise, and Joe now it's up. now it's time to pay, and uh, you know. He done fucked up, um, but uh, and all all kidding aside, um, we will work to have that with you soon. Um, I'm not kidding. Well, I'll I mean, you yeah, up. yeah. Um, but we'd like <laughs> like to say thank you very much to all of our our loyal uh, subscribers and patrons. Uh, we do really appreciate your support. Uh, those who especially um, you know you recently upgraded your pledge or you recently joined, uh, thank you very much. Um, those who had to drop off, we certainly understand. 
you know, times are tough. Um, if you rejoin us at some point in the future, great. If not, um, you know, we wish you all and everything that's going on. But uh, a six-foot gap. Adam Nahoek, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andres Chikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Triano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Littman, Ivar Zavlosky, James Dangles, Jamie Bushold, Jason Silberman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Pretzipelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, uh, Nick Atropov, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landl, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Steve Bialbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, Lear Carlson, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you very much for your continued support. Uh, when we do have the show with Joe, the way we're going to kind of structure it is where it's some giant mailbag because we imagine that there are things that you want to ask, you want to have like Joe's opinion on or whatever. Um, once we have that sort of ironed out, drink for that show. Yeah, we'll we'll try and make that like a drunk show. Um, make it nice and fun, and we'll have a bunch of I'm questions not doing it for fun. I just will need to drink if I'm talking to Joe for that long. Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, but other than that, um, you know, sorry, you know, for the two weeks off, you know, life happened, um, but we're continually glad for your support. You know, even those of you who leave nasty reviews on iTunes, um, it only, you know, fuels me to keep doing this show. Um, it's not going to you know, fuel me. It just turns my heart cold and bitter. But you know what? A lot of you warm the cockles of my heart. As Very do you hot. for me, Mikey. Ah, yeah. Tommy Bahama, that's what the ladies call him. And on that note, uh, we'll see you again soon. Talk to you. Uh, be well, stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.